a calm, beautiful podcast. We speak about the light, hold back truths to spare your feelings. We never rock the boat. No unfiltered opinions here. Ah, no. You're listening to Unfiltered. Unfiltered. If it's politics, tech, entertainment, global headlines, and everything in between, we shoot you straight through the eyes with the truth. Streaming to six continents from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and West Hollywood, California. Sponsored by the Stutzman Group. We're real. We're raw. We are unfiltered. This is Bobby and Luke. Welcome to Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. It is Thursday, March 11th. And Luke, before we started recording, you had some news that I'm very jealous about. Can you tell our audience exactly what I'm talking about? Yes, Bobby. I have received my first vaccine my first shot the state of california has opened uh, vaccinations up to those of us that work in the cannabis industry uh and i was lucky enough to snag one of the first appointments available on this past saturday morning so Mm. i like my other half am on my way towards uh full vaccination and uh couldn't be more excited well congratulations uh funny uh you know over the last probably four or five weeks i've had a lot of colleagues and people that i know hey you know down in texas and certain certain areas they've had a lot of extra so people could get in line Mm -hmm. and get it Mm -hmm. and funny enough my wife was at a grocery store here in colorado springs uh on her lunch break the other day Mm-hmm. And they announced over the PA system that they had extra vaccines. And I mean, people got in line. So here yeah. I am wanting it and I've wanted it from day one. I'm still waiting. Yeah. So I'm very jealous. But, you know, tell tell our listeners, right? There's some people that I don't know if I'm going to get the vaccine or not. You know, it's it's harmless. Yeah. I mean, so I got Pfizer. Josh got Moderna. Neither of us had much of a reaction except for a little soreness at the injection site, which is usual for any shot, really. Um, And neither of us had any side effects, you know, following the shot. Now, I do hear that the the worst side effects and what I've heard from friends and whatnot, you know, people in education and, and healthcare workers that have gotten the full load have said that the second shot does tend to give you a bit more of the side effects. So we'll see, but it is, it is the most, it it was, I'm also the type of guy that I get my flu shot every year and it was no different than than that. No different whatsoever. But uh, unfortunately, you know, you were still, in the uh, God, Washington, Washington post over the weekend ran a story, meet the GOP voters who could decide whether the U.S. reaches herd immunity or not. And what they did back at their little uh, super spreader event back there in uh, Orlando at uh, CPAC, uh, (laughs) they went around and they interviewed a bunch of people, a 
I love the the picture at the top of this is this asshole wearing a mask that's made out of fishnet, literally oh, fishnet. Yeah. What a dick bag. Yeah. Just going around asking people if they're going to, you know, get vaccinated or not. And so just real quick, here's this one woman they interviewed there, Margaret, 80 years old, retiree from Tulsa, attends CPAC every year. Mm. She's wearing a mask. She's got her hand sanitizer hanging from her purse. You know, so, you know, the, the people think, oh, here's somebody that maybe will get the vaccine. And so they reach up to her. She immediately says, there's just too many unanswered questions. There's just too many unknowns. And I just assume not deal with all that. Mm. This woman is 80 years old, retired. Mm-hmm. It seems to be taking the thing seriously. She's got her mask on. One of the few wearing a mask at CPAC has her hand sanitizer hanging from her purse, you know. Right. And she's saying, I don't know. I don't There's just too many unknowns. And the unknowns have been mostly uh, amplified by voices on the right. Right. So it's, it's really disgusting that every single piece of this pandemic, from mask wearing to social distancing to now the vaccine, as expected, highly politicized, Right. Uh, and then here comes a story saying that Trump and Melania got their vaccines all the way back in January. January. Do you yeah. remember right. seeing yep. any coverage of that? Any nope. announcement that that happened? Was there a big, you know, press, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, pre- you know, bunch of press around, you know, filming Trump getting his vaccine nope. so everybody could see that happening? No, that didn't happen, did it? Nope. But then, you know what Trump said at CPAC? He told people to get their vaccines. <laughs> I'm not even shitting you. Not very. I mean, now this was past, uh, you know, that news breaking that he had gotten his. And so he actually told the crowd to get their vaccines. So I don't know if these interviews were done before or after that, but right. we'll see. We'll see because we need, I believe what they've been saying is near close to 70%. Yep. Of, of adults 18 and over to get vaccinated in, in order for us to create this herd immunity. Well, on the CDC website, so for these people that state there's so many unknowns about the vaccine, that is not true. The That's CDC website has all the data. So you're most of your, I'd say 99% of any question about which vaccine, uh, Moderna, Pfizer, soon, you know, J&J. Hey. Mm-hmm. And um, all those questions are answered. There was really two questions when the when they first released Moderna and then you know Pfizer and then Moderna was kids, mm-hmm. right? So they've mm-hmm. got all that all that data is now coming in, uh, you know, about the kids. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, most important one, is how long do the vaccines last? Yeah, that is still data that, that is they're going to be collecting right. because yeah. we don't know. So. Your question shouldn't be, should you get the vaccine? It's okay. I'm going to get the vaccine. I'm going to get in line. I get my name on the list. I'm going to get inoculated. It's when do I have to do this again? And that's right. the stuff that's coming in. It, it'll continue, come, you know, continuously come in. Then, the, you know, the mutated viruses, Yep. yep. you know, and all that stuff is coming in as well. But everybody should get their vaccine yeah. common sense. And that's what the we, data says. We all have to remember that back, you know, the last major pandemic to have this level of effect uh, at, 
in the United States was uh, back in what, 1918 to 1920 ish. And that was a flu pandemic. That was the flu. That wasn't a weird new virus or anything like that. You know, it was the flu. It was a flu pandemic and the flu it's something that we still have today. You get, like I just mentioned, I get my flu shot every year. Yeah. So if the vac- the COVID vaccine turns out to be that kind of a situation where we have to get a new shot every year, yeah. so be it. Because it, it is, you know, for better or worse, it does seem like COVID and it, and it looks like all the scientific studies and whatnot are showing that this is not just going to go away. You know, mm-hmm. this is going to be something that we're dealing with on an ongoing basis. This is part of society now. And so that's why I was mentioning, and I won't get into it a lot because I've been on the soapbox on here too many times that, <laughs> you know, come cold and flu season, maybe wearing masks is just a part of life now. Yes. You know, I, yep. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. Right. So exactly. I'll leave, exactly. It, I'll leave it there. Like I said, that, that soapbox I've been on many a time. (laughs) Well, speaking of the box, we'll get into more of the COVID. We'll get into the COVID relief bill and the $1.9 trillion that are coming with that. Uh, Speaking of the soapbox, this is Roddy Rich, the box. The coop at the lot, turn for a 12 fuck swat, buzzing all the bells out the box. I just hit a lick with the box, had to put the stick in the box. Mm. Pour up the whole damn seal, I'ma get lazy. I got the mojo deals, we been trapping like the 80s. She said the nigga so got the cash out. Told him wipe a nigga, no. Say slash slash. I won't never sell my soul. And I can back that. So, Luke, the COVID relief bill from our president, Joe Biden, $1.9 trillion. What do you say about them, Apples? Well, I won't use my own words here. I'll use the words of the one and only Senator Bernie Sanders, who said, and I quote, this is the most significant piece of legislation to benefit working families in the modern history of this country. Mm. I think Mm. that pretty much sums it up. Uh, Never, never in modern history, the largest one-time bill or expenditure since the New Deal back at the end of the Great Depression. This is really monumental stuff and not a single Republican voted for it not a one and not based on the numbers one. they're saying that this bill could right mm-hmm. could data is only as good as the data you're working with but mm-hmm. this could eliminate half of the child uh poverty in the united states beautiful beautiful the question yeah. is how do we sustain it yeah yeah. So what Bobby's referring to there is, I think, one of the most significant parts of the bill, which is the child credit. Right. Uh, so $3,600 a year for uh, children six and under, $3,000 a year for children uh, over six to, to 17. Uh, the data shows, right, about 45% could, could uh, cut 
child poverty by 45% could cut child poverty by over 50% in families of color. Now, look, this is not this is not the United States uh, coming up with something new. 17 of the nation's most wealthy countries already have a child credit type system in place. Up in Canada, your child uh, gets up to $4,800 per year. And these are not credits to be written off on your uh, taxes and, or excuse me, to be, it's not a, it's not a tax uh, write-off at the end of the year. These are actual direct payments where you will get a check or get a direct deposit every month um, and that money goes, and, and it's really the, the really remarkable thing about this is that there's really no restrictions on, you know, you have to make this amount or you have to make less than this amount or anything. Right. It's just flat out. If you have a child, you get this. And the, 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 the studies have shown that, you know, this, this extra income gives families the wiggle room that they need to get food on the table and not have that be, do I put, you know, do I get new breaks or do I put food on the table? Do I pay right. the light bill or do I put food on the table? You know, yep. uh, in, in good times, do I, I get my kid, a, a, a not even good times. I mean, do I get my kid a, a, a winter coat? <laughs> you know, do yeah, I get my kid yeah. a pair of sneakers that doesn't have a hole in it because it's raining outside? You know, all of these things that, that we don't really think think of as, you know, these are all, these are all things that, you know, parents of a certain income level, these are choices that they have to make, you know, and right. Joe even said, and this is one of those, one of those infamous exchanges during one of the debates when Trump was like, oh, there's Joe being a typical politician because he turned to the camera and he said, you know, how many of you out there watching right now have had to make the decision? Do I drive on bald tires for another month? Or, you know, do I, do I, you know, you know, do I, you know, do, do I make these sacrifices right. that put my family's safety at risk just so we can eat? Right. So this, this, this child credit helps out. And for families who ha- are making a little bit better living and whatnot, th- this gives them a little bit more wiggle room as well. You right. know, all in, it gives people, and we mentioned this, I mentioned this last week talking about you know, how the experiment with universal basic income is working. Uh, This could also give that mom the opportunity, maybe instead of three jobs, now she only works two or hopefully better yet, instead of two jobs, she only works one. Or maybe she's stuck in like a middle management job that's not going anywhere. And maybe this little extra money gives her the confidence to go out and look for a better job and to, you know, get increase your income that way. So well, you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned income thresholds, right? Well, I can Mm -hmm. tell you speaking from firsthand experience. Yeah. When I worked retail for 22 years running those big box retail stores, right? Mm -hmm. You have a percentage that are obviously full time, but the majority are part time. Yeah. And countless hours we we spent with with part time employees figuring out what their max hours were going to be per week so mm-hmm. that they didn't go over and then mm-hmm. get kicked off their, their benefits. Right. Yep, yep, yep. And they would calculate it down to the hour. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So some, you know, some retailers require for part-time to work a minimum of 15 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's people that say, I can't work 15, I can work 13 and a half, but if I 
work 15 and I average 15 over a four to six week period, I'm going to lose my benefits. Right. Right. And, you know, that's how, you know, these, these income thresholds have affected people Mm -hmm. is, you know, they have them so low that a family of four, if you make over X, well, you don't qualify for benefits, right? but it's, it's still you're in poverty, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So they've kind of, scaled that back and, 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 you know, hired those, those income thresholds mm-hmm. and, you know, those, those single moms or, you know, even the family of four are making 35,000 a year, mm-hmm. you know, you make 36, now you lose your Medicaid. You don't right. have dental, you don't have, right. you know, yep. it's, it's, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, and that, you know, that could, very easily backslide us into the conversation that we've already had about minimum wage and uh, you know, right, right in tandem with that conversation are these income thresholds around programs like Medicaid and supplemental nutritional assistance program or food stamps, you know, SNAP, um, which are are programs that are essential, especially when you have, uh, you know, a a house full of kids, because if you're on those SNAP benefits, those translate over to the school feeding programs. Again, hate that name. Anyway, uh, but that means your kid gets breakfast, lunch, and a pretty substantial snack at the end of the day, also paid for by by, uh, the government. So these are essential programs that parents shouldn't have to worry that if I make, yeah, 35 and a half, I'm going to lose this. But, you know, it just, we need to be more flexible because I'm sorry if you are, you know, a family of four, uh, you know, making $35,000 a year, you are in poverty period. You know, right. Uh, You know, in my stores, Luke, I mean, I pride, I pride myself still to this day, but my stores, we, we made our bonuses, right. mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. There was one thing that never went into, you know, thinking and, you know, tracking your, you know, your margins and your sales and your labor and, you know, markdown dollars and everything that goes with managing a big box retail store Mm -hmm. is when you hire these employees that have to track that, and then they end up getting a bonus for another $6,000, $8,000, say Mm -hmm. at the end of the year, Mm there, you know, you, you just don't think about it until it happens in your store. Then you've got 20 people come to you and say, we appreciate the money, but now I'm going to lose my benefits. Right. So, and just so folks understand, you know, we're not, when we're 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 talking about benefits here, I hate the fact that we even call it that benefit because I don't think, Having food on the table is a benefit. I think that is a right. I don't think having access to healthcare is a benefit. I think that is a right. And if you tell somebody that's making thirty-five, even forty thousand dollars a year, that you're going from having either free healthcare to highly or highly subsidized healthcare to having to put towards or having to put a significant amount of your income towards your healthcare. Well, then essentially you're cutting their income by whatever amount that is that they now have to pay in to make, to, to get their healthcare and their dental for their kids. You know, Um, I don't think if a kid needs braces, that should be considered a luxury, 
You know, I think yeah. that that's something that, you know, if the kid needs it, he needs it. And he shouldn't have to, you know, and parents shouldn't have to, you know, run the numbers to see if they can make that happen. Right. So we will definitely have uh, a Medicare for all con type of conversation one of these <laughs> days, but obviously I'm a big proponent for it. And uh, part of the, uh, this kind of links to something else I wanted to just mention briefly today. So maybe I'll throw it in here before we talk about the rest of the bill is uh, so, you know, you may have heard that these, these, these uh, residents of Southern California, my neighbors, uh, Megan and Harry, they had an interview with this lady, with Oprah. Oprah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And not to get too deep into that, because I do want to discuss it in a minute. And I, I do want to discuss it in a bit, a little bit of it. Um, the reaction on Twitter to people in the UK watching it, because it did not, you know, it, it aired here on American TV. And so in the UK, they just got the playback of it, commercials and all. Well, you know what they, <laughs> what, what they don't have in the UK? It is illegal to advertise any kind of healthcare or medicine. And do you know what we have a lot of here in the United States? Healthcare and medicine. <laughs> Commercials for healthcare and medicine. And so the reactions go on Twitter and just look up, you know, Brits react to, you know, commercials or something like that. They're just aghast that here in the United States, healthcare is a business. Right. Because over it's the UK. It's a big fucking business. Yeah. Because over in the UK, like most of our, uh, you know, Western counterparts, they have the na national healthcare services. And so if you get sick, if you need to go to the hospital, if you need, you know, this kind of test or that kind of test, you get pregnant, you need prenatal care, you name it, it's covered. It's covered. You mm. pay, you pay your taxes into the government and the government covers it because guess what? Even those crazy Brits know that healthcare is a right. right. It's not a, it's not a benefit. It's not a, it's not a luxury. It is a right. And so watching these Brits or listening to these Brits post about how just aghast they are at how much goes into these in the, <laughs> pharmaceutical <laughs> companies, you know, these yeah. pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. So just check it out. If you have a second on Twitter and you want to go down a little hole for a minute, it, it's a, it's a funny read, uh, but it does sure as hell make you feel sad about the state of things here in the United States that we have, uh, you know, capitalized uh healthcare so much here in this country and i'll be honest luke i've seen clips of that interview but i have not watched uh the whole thing to my understanding if you haven't seen it you can go to cbs.com you can watch it with with pharmaceutical commercials and all yeah well the, the only the 25 only days or thing something that i wanted to mention out of it is the fact that megan did talk about mental health Okay. And it's something that Diana actually talked about in her big bombshell interview with Martin Bashir back in the day, that mental health is something that's just not to this day taken seriously enough. Mm -hmm. And when she approached certain members of the, the institution, as they call it, they were told that it would not look good for her to seek help for, you know, postpartum and other depression that she was going through as lots of new moms do, especially new moms that are, I mean, we, well, I think maybe her and Diana and maybe Kate Middleton are the only moms that understand what it's like to be under that white height, hot light of the paparazzi and whatnot. But what happened was you guys may 
know this asshole. His name's Piers Morgan. Uh, he briefly, yeah. he briefly uh, took over Larry King's time slot when Larry retired. Uh, and then he got his ass kicked back to the UK and had been hosting a morning talk show, Good Morning Britain in the UK. And he made some just very horribly disparaging remarks about Megan and essentially, you know, feeling that she was lying about it. She was, you know, she was, she was exaggerating. Uh, he didn't believe her whatsoever. And the backlash against him was quick. And the very next day, one of his colleagues called him out on it and said it was grossly inappropriate for him to discuss her sharing of her mental well-being. you know, and, and, right. and he uh, stormed off the set said he wasn't going to sit here and listen to this. And he stormed off the set. And uh, the next morning he resigned from the program. So good riddance, Piers Morgan. Crawl back under whatever fucking rock that you came out of. Uh, right. And that's all I wanted to say about that. Because when people talk, when people are brave enough to talk about their mental health issues, we listen, we believe them, and we help them get help. That's it. Full yeah, stop. You know, and we've talked about mental health you know, on several pods, you know, mm -hmm. uh, several episodes. And, you, you know, even as, you know, we talk about it, you know, there's, there's starting to be kind of more, I would say advertising, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. commercially, but yet, you know, you don't see a, a lot of it right mm -hmm. on, mm -hmm. on, on the news channels, you'll see a ton of pharmaceutical commercials, for example, but there's like maybe one or two mental health commercials that sticks out in my head. Uh, there's not a lot. Yeah. Well, and it's also something that has not traditionally been in getting back into healthcare, something that's not been traditionally covered at the same level as physical healthcare. Right. Uh, just recently here in the state of California, anyway, uh, the legislature passed a bill and Newsom, Governor Newsom signed it uh, saying that if you receive uh, state subsidized healthcare, so we have co covered California, that is our exchange out here. And uh one of actually one of the things that this bill does is now uh, it greatly reduces the premiums for anyone who is uh, on quote unquote Obamacare or ACE on uh, you know on one of these exchanges right. uh, because there's now going to be government subsidies for anyone and everyone no matter how much money that you make. But anyway, back to my point. Um, Newsom, the, the legislature, they signed this bill that said now that, you know, if you receive any kind of uh, state subsidized health care, it is a requirement for that policy to give you the same level of coverage for mental health care as it does for physical health care. And I just think that is a it's a bright new day. And that's just again, fantastic. California leading leading everybody. I mean, in that, sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> because a lot of times people don't even know how to start. Like, you know, I really think I need to talk to somebody. Well, I don't even know how to start going to my healthcare provider to figure out how do I get that, you know? And right. sometimes it's not a conversation you want to have with your, 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 your GP and whatnot. You know, it's just, a, it's such a loaded topic that sometimes, you know, people just don't want to, for whatever reason, there's still such a stigma attached to mental health, you know, to, well, a stigma attached to admitting that you have a problem, you know, right. admitting that you right. have issues with your health, your mental health care. And what I've always said is like, if you break your fucking arm, 
You know, you're not going to just look at it and be like, oh, well, I don't want to put anyone out. I don't want to be embarrassed. No, you're going to go to the goddamn emergency room and you're going to get your arm, you know, bandaged right. up. Right. So if you have a mental break and you need help, you know, it should be on the same level, you know, yep. go and get the help you need and don't be afraid to talk to those around you. And so that's the only reason I wanted to talk about the Megan and Harry interview. Otherwise watch it because just to watch Oprah's uh, reactions to some of the things that are said is uh, it's, that's it's, what I've heard. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a fun watch um, <laughs> and really disheartening other and obviously the big, the big headline out of it was the, the discussion about racism and you know, how dark Archie would be and whatnot. Right. I want to save that for another time, but sure. watch it. You know, it's an it's an interesting watch. But back to this most significant piece of legislation, Bobby. Uh, one of the things that I'm truly, truly excited about, um, you know, the, the the top line that everybody wants to talk about is, uh, you know, the the stimulus checks. Everybody mm -hmm. making $85,000 or $160,000 as a couple or less will get the $1,400 check, the biggest stimulus check of, you know, yet. Uh, unemployment benefits for those who still out of work, uh, that we still have a significant amount of unemployment here in the country. Yes, as we do. gradually start to reopen, hopefully that will change. But this at least gives coverage to those who are still unemployed, uh, coverage all the way out through, I believe, Labor Day. Uh, as I discussed in the last, in the last pod, Joe Manchin did his Joe Manchin thing. Yep. And, uh, instead of $400 a week extra, it's just $300 a week extra, which, you know, that, that adds up to $400 a month to somebody that's unemployed. I would imagine that's a lot of money. So damn it, Manchin. But anyway, right. at least... <laughs> You know, so those are the top line things that that everybody's talking about. The more interesting uh, parts of this bill, and the reason why, you know, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, Bobby. But you know, a lot of Republicans have gone out there in front of the mics and said the reason why we didn't vote for this, we were all for the COVID relief, quote unquote COVID relief, but. In our eyes, only 9% of this money is what we considered COVID relief. The rest is a quote unquote socialist fever dream come to life. Mm. Yeah, fuck them. You know, let, let, let's see some of these things that they are calling a socialist fever dream. Should, should we? Should yes, we, yes, should let's we break it down. Yeah. What, what they consider. Okay, a socialist fever. Dream. And under, you know, we, remember, not a single Republican voted for not a the single one relief bill. Right. We've already discussed the child, the child credit that they feel, you know, anytime you're just giving money to people, they think that that's a, a socialist fever dream. So so there's that. How about this? The most investment ever in tribal indigenous communities Our indigenous people have been devastated by COVID like no other, even worse, I would say, uh, than those in the African-American community. You know, the, the, our indigenous people, and we'll, we'll talk about this at length in some, at some point. Um, you know, we talk, there is a lot of talk happening about, you know, reparations for slavery and whatnot. And I feel like that's a conversation that needs to be happening, but we also need to start putting right side by side with that is uh, 
reparations or at least giving our indigenous peoples, uh, you know, a quality of life that is more than, you know, the poverty that a large majority of them live in. Right. So this investment in tribal communities is something that the right is calling a, a socialist fever dream. Uh, farmers, farmers, there is about $10.4 billion earmarked for the agricultural community and support of the agricultural community, half of which, half of which will be focused on farmers of color, farmers of go. color who have since uh, about 19, since the 1950s, okay, have seen their farmland stripped away from them because of the fact that they could not get access to the USDA loans that their mm -hmm. white counterparts could. Right. So I don't Well, yeah, I mean, all those machines, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And if you can't finance them, you don't have them and you can't mm -hmm. farm without them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how is the African-American farmer supposed to keep up if they don't have access to financing? Right. You know, it just, it, it, it just, it, it's... It, it, these are really, I think, simple things, okay? Yeah. $10 billion to an infrastructure program that will go to local governments to say, here, you can have X amount of money, but it must be used for uh, infrastructure. Fix your roads, fix yep. your bridges, put up some more stop signs, stop lights, you know, repair the you know, plumbing and, and city facilities, whatever the case might be. You know, our infrastructure is crumbling around us. Winterize your energy grid, Texas. Yeah, Texas, winterize your fucking energy grid. Yeah. So $10 billion to infrastructure. Apparently, apparently that's a the socialist uh, fever dream. Of I, course. I uh, ways to get around the country that doesn't include a car or a plane. How about you take a train? $200 million going to Amtrak to help them with uh, infrastructure repairs and upgrades that they did not have, uh, the, that were, they were not gonna have the money to be able to do because of the lost revenue brought on by COVID. Right. Okay. Um, I'll give you a couple more cause I could go on. We could do a whole <laughs> pod about this, but just a couple more of my favorites. Uh, if you've ever worked for a company and either been let go or laid off, uh, you may have heard of this thing called Cobra. Yeah. You, you may also, and obviously Bobby working in, in, in retail, you know, you probably had employees that have left and been offered Cobra. Yeah. But the problem with Cobra is that it costs a shitload of money because you still have access to the same insurance program, but now your employer is not kicking in their share. Right. So you have to pay the full 100%, boat, the full yep. boat, the full mm -hmm. boat. And you want to keep your same insurance. You pay the full boat. Yep. Well, the bill, this bill, the bill also increases the value of federal Cobra health insurance program to 100%. Meaning wow. that, yeah. Meaning that if you get laid off from your job, now this isn't in perpetuity. I think it's Cobra has what a 90 day, 90 day cap or something like that. Yeah. Um, but at least you will be able to keep your health care paid, paid healthcare for the, for the next, you know, 90 days until you're able to find another job or get yourself set up on another healthcare program. Because for those of you that don't know, or haven't had this, uh, 
personal experience. If you can hear my passion in my voice, I've had this personal experience. If you leave a job, that healthcare goes away the 30th or 31st of the month that you leave. It is, it is, it is done. It is gone. And you either have to get Cobra or find something else real fast. And so if you right. are a person that has a pre-existing condition or is on medication, you know, I could go on and on is seeking uh, help and sees a therapist maybe a few times a month, something like that, you are just shit out of luck. So right. Cobra, the US government, a little tip of the hat to, we understand that people, cause sometimes people also, they don't leave their jobs specifically because they don't wanna lose their healthcare. You know, right. I was just talking about that mom that's making $45,000, a year in that middle management position, but she's got really good health care and that health care is given to her kids as well. Well, she's going to be, even if she knows she's never going anywhere in that job, she's going to be really hesitant to leave it if she knows that she's also leaving herself and her two kids at risk of not helping, having health care. Right. So right. Let's just do a simple math for people. So if you've got, say you got family insurance, family of four, the total premium is $2,000 a month, which is not unheard of. Mm -hmm. um, your employer is kicking in either. Usually it's a 50, 50 or an 80, 20 split. There's some employers that pay everything. So say you're working for a company that pays the full premium mm -hmm. and you decide to leave or you, or you get fired. Um, you'll get Cobra paperwork in the mail, wanting to know if you want to enroll and continue your insurance your insurance, which means that 2000 that the company's been kicking in, which comes to 24,000 a year is now coming in out of your pocket with yeah. no job. Right. And now what Biden says, you know what, we're going to take care of these people. Yep. Exactly. Those of you that may still have some student loans that you're paying off any coronavirus related student loan relief is now tax free. So if you uh, got any of your loans relieved or you took off, uh, you know, you stopped making payments to, over the Corona uh, virus because you, you know, weren't working or whatnot, uh, none of that is going to uh, have accrued interest. And if you got any of it uh, forgiven, that will not be taxed. So a little, nice. you know, that's a, another great one. And then two more, and I, promise I'll, 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 well, maybe three, uh, 500, something that's especially close near and dear to my heart, especially living here in Los Angeles, homelessness. Uh, we have a huge problem with homelessness in the United States. And a lot of those folks wind up here in Southern California. I'm watching a fascinating docu-series on Netflix about the Cecil Hotel in Skid Row and uh, Lisa Lamb, who went missing and then eventually was found dead in the water tank of the Cecil Hotel. Mm. Um, anyway, $510 million uh, for homeless service providers to provide overnight shelter, meals, and even a month's rent uh, to help people get off the streets. So, nice. Socialist fever dream. What am I saying here? Yep. Uh, $3 billion to increase technology in the classroom. Bobby, how about that? Social. That's too social for me, Luke. Yeah. I, th I, th I think the, you know, the school districts that are short on cash, they want to upgrade their infrastructure. They need to find the money to do it. They need to raise the funds. Depending on the government, that's just too social for me. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the last one, which is very near and dear to my heart, because my mother was a nurse in a rural healthcare facility. We have friends from high school who work in said rural healthcare facility to this day. Shout right. out to all of the ladies and gents in the Seward Memorial Healthcare System. Boom. $8.5 billion in funds directed to assist rural health care providers. There we go. Yeah. So the ones who need the money the most, right? Yeah, have the yep. least resources. They don't have the latest to greatest Siemens equipment or, mm -hmm. you know, they buy shit used. I mean, now they've got some money to, to, you know, get up to speed and updated their infrastructure yeah. schools. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, this pandemic has showed the schools have thought they've been spending money on technology and they've been spending a fraction of what they actually need. So mm -hmm, that's, mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's great yeah. on both fronts, the education yeah. piece with school districts, as well as our healthcare facilities that need that money. Absolutely. And then of course, there's additional uh, $5 billion that, you know, is just for education, for getting the buildings, the infrastructure, the educational infrastructure. You know, we, we talk about, uh, well, heck, I mean, we went to, uh, we went to, to middle school in a pretty old building. Wouldn't you say Bobby? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, wait a minute, you went to St. Did you go to St. John's or did you go to public? I was a Johnner baby. You were a Johnner. All right. Well, yep. I, I got, I gotta say, I don't know that I've ever been in the, the St. John's school facility, well, but I'm it looks talking the same today as it did back 20 some years ago, 30, gotcha. oh, shit, 30 some years ago. Gotcha. Well, I'm talking about the the old building downtown that used to be the Seward Public Middle School. Now, I believe they've built a new facility since, but uh, anyway, older is it facility. A bank? Is it a bank now or something? I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm dying okay. to get back to Seward to check it out. I can't. I can't believe in all the times I've been back to Seward since. Uh, I've never thought to ask about that old building because it yeah. was. Uh, I got to say at least a hundred years old, if not more now. Sure. I'm not, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, school infrastructure, also living in uh, New York city, being involved in uh, education in New York city. A lot of those buildings are older and need upgrades. So lots of money being poured into our schools to, to upgrade every room to, Oh, I don't know. Just make sure that every room has appropriate ventilation. Well, it's something that might be important as we start to bring kids back into the classroom. So right. anyway, Republicans are saying if it doesn't have to do with the vaccine going into the arm of an American, uh, it, it it's not considered uh, Corona uh, COVID relief. So all of these things that I just mentioned, which obviously I think are fantastic ways to spend money here uh, by the United States government, that's socialism to these right. people. So the trillion dollar Trump tax credit, which yeah. he gave to yeah. millionaires and billionaires was a better way to spend our money than helping out the American public Yeah, on yeah. so many fronts, yeah. education, infrastructure, um, you know, citizens with, with stimulus checks, child tax credit, uh, you know, insurance payments. I mean, they're wisely spending this money across all spectrums, all demographics, and the GOP can't admit that this is a killer bill. Yeah, it is a killer bill. And you know 
that the GOP knows it's a, a killer bill because you know what started to happen the day after the Senate passed the bill and it was looking very likely that it was going to, the revision was going to uh, pass in the, in, in the House. Uh, senators started tweeting about this amazing bill saying that they're so proud to have uh, helped bring relief to restaurant workers and schools and this and that. Only the problem is these very same assholes had just voted no. Right. So apparently what they're doing is they're saying, well, if it was a smaller bill, if we had spent less money and only included these things that are specifically helping my constituents, then I would have voted for it. So right. I'm going to go ahead and take credit for the things that are helping my constituents, even though I voted no. Hey, it's the GOP way, right? How, I mean, how's that for some hypocrisy? <laughs> what are your What are your thoughts on Florida's governor basically taking hundreds of thousands of dollars to let the rich in line to get their shot? Right? I mean, of course, of course, it's, Florida. It's, it's a free for all down there, man. Why not? You know, you got some you got some money to throw at my uh, my reelection campaign. Okay, yeah, sure. You know. You got yep. some money to throw at this pack, you know? Okay, sure. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's just mind boggling. And, and Bobby, we were just talking about, talking about things that are mind boggling. We we're just talking about the vaccine and as if there isn't already enough, uh, you know, false, you know, fake news out there right. about the vaccine, keeping, uh, more right-leaning folks from trusting the vaccine, et cetera. Now here's another story about our good friends over in Russia, once again, running a disinformation campaign to undermine the confidence in Pfizer and other US-based COVID-19 vaccines. Yeah, well, I you mean, know why that is. What the right? hell? <laughs> so they came to market with the vaccine, did okay. very yes. little testing. Mm -hmm. Countries like Mexico, because they were behind on making the decision on getting, you know, prepaying for doses. Uh, they signed up with country like Russia and they're finding out that their vaccine is, does little to nothing. There's no, there's no data behind it. People were, you know, simply stating that Pfizer had commitments to various countries already mm -hmm. countries like Brazil who were, like Trump didn't believe anything. We're saying it was this, it's a hoax. And, you know, people, it was just the flu and shit. Well, Brazil still to this day is having a harder time with COVID than they've mm -hmm. ever had. Mm. And, and, and so they sign up with countries like Russia because it was cheap. They had supply, they could meet the demand. And then they're finding out, you know, a few weeks after inoculating people that, it's it's really not a vaccine so yeah. yeah and right on par with the russians uh mark zuckerberg uh has oh, instructed <laughs> has, instru <laughs> has instructed facebook's lawyers to seek to dismiss the government's antitrust suit saying hey we haven't really harmed any customers essentially a big come on <laughs> right to the u.s government no. <laughs> is is this maybe something to do with what's happening at google with those cookies and he's getting a little nervous i mean what's what's going you know, on with the zuck yeah so you know it's just a you know it's a first step hey let's get it thrown out Un unfortunately the government has now had time to collect their data 
to get the right people in place. Mm-hmm. I won't say that they've got the A team. Uh, there's some states that do. Um, and that's just not going to fly. Zuck's going to, you know, face the fire. Google's going to face the fire. And everybody is seeing through Google getting rid of cookies. It's not really getting rid of anything. It's now holding all the cards and making them even more powerful. And if they decide to shut off Facebook, Facebook's 89, 90 billion from last year could dwindle down to no billion very, very quickly. So what they, so they're asserting that uh, the government cannot assert that their citizens, us, the US taxpayer has paid higher prices due to any of Facebook's behavior is what they're essentially asserting is that they can't prove higher that prices price, on on what that's what it said it said that the higher prices that output was reduced or that any objective measure of quality declined as a result of Facebook's actions well and they've so, got 16 months worth of you know fake news that they posted and pushed <laughs> and re you know, liked and retweeted and integrated, you know, and it's just not Facebook, Facebook and Twitter and those guys, there's a ton of integration, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Facebook posting shit, people posting on Facebook, they can use a social media uh, platform that combines everybody. And one post goes to everything. So yeah, yeah, they're gonna, Mm -hmm. they're liable for it all. And that's the reality that Facebook is facing is will there even be Facebook as we know it today? Will it be here two years from now once the government gets done with them? Well, because here we go again with another fucking online, largely online driven Russian disinformation campaign. Like what, how, like I get it. I mean, like these are paid posts and whatnot and it's driving revenue and whatnot. But if you're looking at the, I mean, I just don't understand how some of this shit is still allowed to live and breathe. Right. But if they were being held accountable as a media company, which they are, that's going to, that's going to change. I think the game for, uh, for all of these tech companies. Right. Yeah. But once Facebook is considered a media company, they will be held accountable and liable for the content that gets posts on their platform, whether it's from your mobile device, whether you're integrated with some third-party platform, Facebook will be held accountable for that. And that's gonna completely change the misinformation, disinformation, the campaign ads from Russia and, and, and all that shit. And that's just on the front side. Then on the back side, they're gonna be held accountable for reselling and selling people's information without their consent. Mm-hmm. So Facebook, as we know it, their business model today is they're going to have to go back to the drawing board because that's not what it's going to be two years from now. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we're, we're looking two years out to see what's going to be going on. But for just a moment, I'd like to take a minute to look to, uh, excuse me, not to, <laughs> thank God, one year back, one year back, one year ago today. Then President Donald Trump took to primetime U.S. airwaves to announce that we were, in fact, facing a pandemic. 
Right. And, and finally, didn't, I mean, didn't really go too far to say how severe it would be. Right. Um, but 1,200 people, 1,200 cases, 37 deaths at this time. Yeah. That's yeah. where the numbers were. Yeah. Yeah. And in the past year, we have lost 529,000 Americans. Yep. We have seen 29.2 million cases. And we are on the verge, on the verge of, you know, while some states have already opened it all back up, I'm looking at you, Florida, Texas, Mississippi, um, <clears throat> other states are being a little bit more cautious in their opening schedule. Thank you very much. Right. Um, but yeah, this was it. One year ago today, this week, this was quote unquote, as the New York Times called it. Uh, the week our reality broke and everything that we knew to be true and real in the United States from sports, the entire sports world, all of the professional and amateur leagues within three days ground to a complete halt, um, you know, museums, restaurants, uh, movie theaters, malls, concerts, music festivals, Coachella, not Coachella. <laughs> uh, it all went away, went away. And we all hunkered down in, in hopes that our hunkering for, do you remember three weeks to flatten the curve? Yep. That, you know, we would just do this for a few weeks and then using CDC recommended um, guidelines, we could start to slowly reopen the economy. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. We yeah. had our, sure, we had our three weeks of, of you know, and, and for a minute, for a brief minute, it seemed like, didn't it, Bobby, that maybe we were all going to be in this together again? Yep. This was going to be another... 9-11 type moment and we were all going to band together as a country and maybe under different leadership we would have right but instead we got uh oh a big beautiful opening just in time for easter wouldn't that be beautiful yeah and uh here we are this will be gone by easter yeah it's gonna mi mysteriously disappear and not even and None in of the of, time frames, right? I mean, even two weeks, three weeks, mm -hmm. so short-sighted. So we had on that, you know, I remember on that first, you know, everybody shut down and then CDC had guidelines and requirements that if you were going to open, here were the steps. You had to do mm -hmm. A, B, C, D, and E. States were opening up, didn't have, they were 15% infection rate and they were opening up. Yeah. So, you know, what happened to those states? Well, they fucking spread like wildfire. Hospitals filled up, deaths mounted. And that's what's been con a continuous process is they shut down and then there is no slow reopening. It's fucking full bore, go to the mall, do whatever you mm -hmm. want. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've got now 550,000 dead. Yeah. And, you know, a lot has been said about, you know, the masks and the, uh, the original guidelines that masking was not required, was not important for individuals. Well, at first, when we were all supposed to be on lockdown and at home, correct, right. you don't need to wear a mask in your own home with your pod of people right. that you see every day. That's fine. 
But then slowly information started coming out, coming out that, well, maybe a cloth mask isn't going to hurt anything, could help. And then more and more data came out and everybody was like, oh, well, why are they changing their mind? Why, why, why is it different now? Well, I don't know, Bobby, when you, when, when something new is happening to you, mm -hmm. uh, I know when something new is happening to me, it takes me a minute to learn and to right. understand. Yep. And of course there was the fear that there would be a run, which there was hello, toilet paper, mm -hmm. that there would be a run on the very hard to find and source N95 masks that were so essential for our frontline workers. Right. And so the CDC wanted to use caution much like right now, People are all up in arms that the CDC is not just reopening the travel restrictions and saying, hey, if you're vaccinated, travel away, go crazy. Well, that's because we as Americans don't, we only hear the part we want to hear. So if the CDC says, open it up, travel is okay, if you're vaccinated, a lot of people are going to choose not to hear that if you're vaccinated, if you're vaccinated. part. Right. And right. that would become the next super spreader, the next, you know, because we've seen at every step of the way of this pandemic, any large travel events, 4th of July, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, all of these, any large travel events have uh, Labor Day, Memorial Day, I, all of them have caused significant upticks in cases. Right. So people weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. They went and traveled. You know, I get it. Hey, we're going to go see grandma. We're going to go see the aunts and uncles and the cousins and everything. But like we discussed at that time for each holiday, we were staying home. We had other mm -hmm. plans, obviously, mm -hmm. which changed. You were going to mm -hmm. go back to Alabama. Yeah. We were going to go back to Nebraska and none of that happened. It still hasn't happened. We haven't seen mother-in-law probably a year and a half, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. longest time ever. And, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. We specifically were going to Alabama because it's been a lot longer than we usually go without getting back down to see Josh's family. And he has uh, a grandmother that is elderly and has, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty significant level of cancer. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that Josh had an opportunity to see her, heaven forbid, anything happened. But then, you know, COVID and it just kept you know, and even when it first started, you know, we were like, well, this is still a ways off. Let's keep our tickets. Let's see how things go. And we waited and we waited until finally it was just obviously not the right thing to do to go. Right. And so that's why more than anything, I'm thrilled that I've now gotten my first shot and will be vaccinated fully right around the same time as Josh is that because the plan was I certainly wasn't going to get on a plane, but we were going to get Josh down to see his his grandma. Um, now I can go too. So I guess that's, you know, right, right. so so it's just, you know, can I can I just say one more thing about the about the death toll? And I, I heard from, and I can't believe that this kind of thinking even goes on when you're faced with this kind of a issue, uh, this, this number of deaths, um, you know, that, well, the vast people are still saying this and I can't believe it because it's just, forget it being just so dark and heartless. It is, I feel just, categorically untrue that 
while the majority of these deaths, a lot of these people did have some sort of pre-existing condition or whatnot, or were elderly, et cetera, et cetera. And we're probably, and this is, I swear to God, Bobby, I heard this and I, I, I wanted to punch the person that was saying it. Well, these people were probably going to die pretty soon anyway. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I was just beside, beside myself because anyway how, how 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 dare they you know whether it's another year another day it's important and these folks passed away and they did not have to yeah so let's always remember joe president biden is having a uh is having his uh, uh prime time uh discussion with the nation tonight Yes, to mark the anniversary of the COVID pandemic and also to tell the American people about some of these things that some of this relief that is coming their way. So tune in for that, all major channels and live on the House or excuse me, the um, White House Facebook page. Now, so Luke, do we got a warm and fuzzy to end? Do we got a, you know, you know, we not do. A, and I was about, that they're it's warm not and a, fuzzy. Not a, it's not a high note. This is a warm and fuzzy. And this one, Bobby, is a really, really warm and fuzzy one. And not in the way that you might expect. A grieving widow penned an upbeat obituary to honor her late husband's unique in positive outlook on life. Crystal Souser of Omaha, Nebraska, and her husband, Eric, were the proud parents of three children, 11, nine, and five. And sadly, on February 26th, Eric lost his two-year-long battle with leukemia. All this talk of COVID, we forget that people were still battling the other diseases that we're battling right now. And just imagine what that must have been like, all the chemo, all of the, all of the therapy, all of the things that he most likely had to do alone this past year because of COVID. So Eric, excuse me, so Eric's wife penned a lovely, a lovely obituary. And so, like I said, not a traditional warm and fuzzy to read an obituary, but I'd like to share with you some of the highlights of this wonderful, wonderful obituary, which was true tribute to this man's life. Eric A. Souser, AKA Super Dad, AKA Easy, AKA Rockin' Dude, passed away peacefully in his sleep on February 26th, 2001, or excuse me, 2021 at the age of 43 with his wife by his side, thank God. His departure was just in time for him to make his spiritual appearance at every Red Sox spring game. Eric is survived by his wife and three children who will most likely sleep all sleep in the same bed for many years to come. Sorry, Eric. He is preceded in death by billions and billions of living things, including his dog Harvey, who most of us love to hate. We are confident they are all joyfully reconnecting right now. We are not positive but we think the cause of his death was maybe leukemia or more likely being dead sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal added, he would be happy 
that this story is generating inspiration and love. If there's anything Eric and I can do, it's if there's anything that Eric and I love to do, it was spreading love around the world. You've been listening to Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. Politics, tech, entertainment, global headlines, real and raw. Real and raw. Finally, a podcast with real talk and no bullshit. We hope you enjoyed the show, but if we pissed you off, that's okay too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Bobby and Luke. On Instagram at Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. And on LinkedIn at Unfiltered-With-Bobby-And-Luke. How many dashes do we need there, fellas? My God. Anyway, make sure to like, rate, and review. And of course, leave a comment. And check out the website at BobbyAndLuke.com. This is Unfiltered, signing off.